Welcome to T for Tiller Football. Hello, everyone. This is Reese T for Tiller, Jeff T for Tiller, joined by the one and only Graham Barfield. Graham, how's it going? Doing pretty well, guys. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Excited to talk some ball with you on this uh, this Tuesday night. Yeah, like it's. I say this very facetiously. There's nothing to talk about in the world of football or sports right now, is there? Nope, nope, not at all. Nothing going on in college football. Nothing happening there. Not much of an NFL season coming forward. Not nothing to talk about. Yeah, I I do wonder about the. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but the just the will we have a season? Will we not? All that jazz is just. I just want us to. Don't take this wrong, but just shut up and play. Let's just get it going, you know? Yeah. And because uh, it's going to be interesting. All right. I'm ex- I was excited to, to see you and Scott Barrett, A, start your own The Bars or The Bears uh, podcast, but join Fancy Points with Greg Cosell, who we appreciate, and Kaplan and the crew. How did that all come about from your end? Yeah, uh, really exciting new project. Um, this has been kind of, uh, it's just some backstory. Like I originally worked for three years with Fantasy Guru. That was the original cast with John and Joe, Tom Brawley, Ben Kukanis, who's our behind the scenes guy, who's the man. Um, and then I took a job opportunity at the NFL, worked there for two great years. And um, it, it kind of just worked out where this opportunity came about. You know, they were getting back together and wanted to start a new startup company and kind of give some people some new roles. And we brought on Scott, um, who's been awesome. I mean, he's seriously my favorite fantasy analyst in the business, which is uh, really cool. Scott and I have been good friends for a long time, so it's been awesome to work with him. Uh, like officially for the first time, but like Greg is taking a bigger role. Adam Kaplan's taking a bigger role. So it kind of is like we're all bringing our different expertise to the table. It's been, it's been really great so far. How about the two bars podcast? Who came up with that name? Scott, I I'm terrible at names. I'm terrible at names. I'm terrible at like uh, talking about myself or hyping myself up. Scott is the man for that. Uh, he came up with it. You know, he, he originally wanted to call it the Scott Barrett hour or the Barrett <laughs> Uh, Barrett and the Barfer, which for whatever reason, I didn't want to go with that. Uh, <laughs> but no, he's, uh, yeah, he came up with the name. Um, and uh, Mike, uh, Mike Wright the, from the Fantasy Footballers, he was like, if you guys could have just named it the two barfs. So, I, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm glad we went with the two bars because like I said, I'm terrible with names. But uh, yeah, that was, that was all Scott. It could have been Bar None the best or... Bar None's pretty good. Bar None's pretty good. You know, I mean, like, and so... That's why, like, you know, it's just one of those names. Everything, everybody wants that to be able to hashtag it, right? Let's, let's create a hashtag on Twitter. I also wanted to thank you, and we had the conversation with Scott when Reese put out this book earlier in the offseason. You guys were very kind, saying nice things on Twitter. He's 14, trying to do some analytics. Scott was giving him some uh, pointers. Know, pointers, feedback. And so, you know, it's all about learning for the young lad. When you're 14, you know, all I did one wanted to do was play outside. So I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I, when you sent it to me, and I'm really not trying to pump you up, but like when you sent it to me, it seriously read like someone that was five or six years older and like had been spending years and years like uh, thinking about this and I genuinely meant it when I said it like this is your process for the way you were breaking down players and your projections was better than some people do 
uh, in the industry. So I, I can't wait for, for Reese to come and take my job in a couple of years or, or, or start his own company because man, you got a, you got a bright career ahead of you if you want to keep this up. Yeah, he does. But he, part of it is he's well-read, right? He reads you, he reads Scott, he reads everybody he can. And, uh, but you know, I would say this as a euphemism for a bigger part of life is that if we're left on our own, we're, all we do is decline. But, you know, us trying to understand thought processes and, and ways, mechanisms for thinking about different things, that's the best thing. All right. So Reese, what, let's lead off with uh, what question you got for Mr. Grant. On your Twitter feed, you've mentioned being in uh, Fantasy Riders Apex draft. How's that going for you? Yeah, that's the toughest draft I do. Uh, one of the toughest drafts I do every year. So it's like, I'm not even close to the smartest person in there. Like Sean Siegel, who we actually just had on the Two Bars podcast today. Um, uh, I consider him like the best fantasy player uh, I've ever played against. It's it's myself, him, uh, Rich Rebar, who's the stat god, uh, Evan Silva, uh, John Paulson, who's like probably one of the best long-term projection guys mm-hmm. ever, Mike Clay. Uh, it's just a it's a ter- it's just a terribly tough league. I was super lucky last year to win it. Um, I, I got destroyed the first couple of years I was in it. Made the playoffs my third year and then won it last year. Uh, I picked fourth this year. Uh, and got Kamara, Godwin, and Juju with my first three picks. Um, I don't know. I, I actually really like my team, which probably spells a disaster. Like uh, <laughs> every time I feel like I like my team in tough leagues, I end up just getting killed. But I actually do like how this one has turned out. I got a really nice value in Dak Prescott in the seventh round that I'm excited about. Uh, you know, in industry leagues, a lot of the times quarterbacks typically like don't go off the board. Yep. Uh, very quickly and, and Dak Prescott in the seventh round in any league is a tremendous value. So um, it's usually, it's really tough. It's a really tough league. It's been a tough draft so far, but actually kind of like my team right now. I'm in a league with Sean and I'm in a, a kitchen sink Debbie dynasty with Sean and Rich. I'm in several with Rich and those guys are bright guys. And so uh, I always enjoy playing against those guys. It just cause I'm an old guy, you know, I've been, been around for a long time. Yeah. And so uh, I enjoy it, but uh, it's also good to see young guys doing so well. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I want to, this pie is huge. I want to see everybody be successful, you know? Yeah, it, it can, everybody can be. That's the, that's the cool thing about the fantasy space is now I've been here. I've been doing this full time for seven years or so and doing it since 2013 and like just seeing it explode, the explosion and just how much more growth potential is here. Uh, Reese, you're, you're, you, you may think you're fighting upstream, but I promise you, if you're doing good work, which you're doing, you're, you're going you're gonna to make a name for yourself. I started writing in 07, and it seems like so long ago. But anyway, what else you got for me? In your fifth round, you took Hollywood Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did you take the Ravens over a uh, possible running back two option like Chris Carson? Explain your thinking, uh, thought process through that. Sure. Um, so just for background, in like nine out of other 10 leagues, I would have never done that. But in this league where uh, we have to start three wide receivers and there's a flex spot. So you start two running backs, three receivers and a flex. Uh, by the time I got back on the clock at, in the fifth round, 26 wide receivers had already come off the board as opposed to 19 running backs. Typically see a lot more balance uh, in most drafts, but in this draft, it's always extremely wide receiver heavy. 
Um, and I already had two running backs. I took Kamara in the first round, like I said, and I got Melvin Gordon, who I'm, I'm pretty high on in the fourth round. I thought that was a pretty good value. Yep. Uh, so I, I came back and, and I got Hollywood, who I think is a league winner this year. Scott Barrett um, has done a lot of really great work in the Hollywood, too. Um, I just think he has the makings of like a massive sophomore breakout. I mean, all of his efficiency metrics are great. Uh, he, he and Lamar led the NFL in terms of passer rating on their connection last year. He was top 10 in fantasy points per route run, tied Odo Beckham in yards per route run. Um, I mean, he, he was fantastic last year. He just, you know, wasn't healthy with the foot. And now that he's, you know, back in a normal playing weight, he's got back into shape. I, I think his ceiling is just so high. Uh, I got him at wide receiver 27, which is pretty much about where he should go. Uh, I just think his, he, he really does have like a top 15, top 12 ceiling. And just because the Ravens are run heavy does not mean that they can't have at least one wide receiver one. Yeah. And I have two follow-up questions and I see Reese is anxious that, so everybody's anti-Hollywood because of his weight and I could care less. That's like those guys only wanting receivers that weigh more than 220. I'm like, who cares? You know what I'm saying? Cause he's right down sooner. Yeah. But I meant though, a player is a player. Do you think uh, the Ravens run as much 12 as they did last year? They're going to be a little more diverse this year. They actually, um, so Seth Roberts quietly was like getting 10 ish percent of the team's targets last year. He's gone. Um, and I think they're going to be a little more multiple. They've got Devin Duvernay, who is a, just an absolute jet machine, a jet engine uh, out of the slot. He's going to, I bet he's going to really kind of open up some more things. Mark Andrews is basically, a wide receiver. I mean, they split him out uh, as a receiver 50% of the time or so. I think they're going to be really interesting. Um, and, and typically with quarterbacks, like Lamar is going to regress efficiency wise this year. There's just no way he can sustain the touchdown rate he had, but I think they're going to have to throw a little bit more just based on game scripts. I mean, they ran really hot last year. Uh, I just think there's a little more volume than people are expecting. And I think that they're going to be a little more diverse, which should open up you know, maybe a couple more slot snaps for Hollywood and, and definitely get him in some one-on-one uh, -on -one situations. I mean, uh, you mentioned his weight. So last year there was an article that came out of Bleacher Report that said he was like playing in like the 160 range or something like that, which is just way below his weight, right. uh, playing weight. And now he's back up to 180, which is, you know, where, uh, <laughs> where some pretty good fantasy receivers in, in years past, even on the smaller side have been, you right. know, Deshaun Jackson typically plays – at 180, Tyree Kill is a little bit heavier. I think now he's definitely a lot heavier than than that. But uh, but man, I just think I think Hollywood is he's just like primed for a huge breakout if he can stay healthy. And we don't really know those guys' real weights anyway. I mean, that's why I kind of yeah. chuckle, right? Do we really believe that uh, Derrick Henry weighs that amount or more than is listed or whatever? Or I always found it. I always found it really funny when Big Ben's weight was like 250, and like yeah. all those years he was clearly pushing like 280. But yeah, oh, yeah. that's why the you have the beard. That's why you yeah. have the beard to cover up a little bit of chin. <laughs> What'd you think, Reese? Well, on the weight thing, uh, on the Redskins insider back in the, for the 82 Super Bowl, they're all they're saying that uh, Riggins listed weight was somewhere in the 230s, but then they were saying he was like 260, which is bigger than some of the offensive linemen. But also, for Hollywood's favor, a lot of people forget Mark Andrews is a type 1 diabetic, which it makes him severely COVID at risk for COVID. So he could not – he could miss some time just to be safe, which would then make Hollywood 
a top tier wide receiver, but also in his week one game, he beat Minka Fitzpatrick, who we know is a good, great cover safety, and Xavier Howard, who had six interceptions the year before. So he's not bad at all. Yeah. He's a good talent. And he did he did that on like 15 snaps. I mean, he put up two touchdowns over 100 yards, and he played like 15 snaps. We just saw like such a like a couple small sample games. You know, if you go back and watch that Titans game too, like he played every snap, and he was uncoverable in that game. I just can't wait to see what he does now that he's got his body right and his weight right. Uh, Lamar Jackson was on record saying a couple weeks ago that like his speed is just unreal. I think. I think there's a real chance Hollywood Brown is the next Tyreek Kill. Everybody thinks it might be Henry Ruggs, but I, I think it's staring us in the face, and I think it's Hollywood. And, I, and to be honest, it could be both, right? And, it could be. Uh, Very could be. Very you well know, could we, be. we want to take square pegs and look for square holes, and sometimes they're, not, they're a little more round. And, and it's all cool, right? Because, I mean, he could be the first 150-pound star, and it'd be okay, you know? Because before Lamar – Everybody was saying, no, a guy can't put up this kind of numbers on this kind of, this little volume, right? I mean, that's think about how cheap Lamar was this time last year. I, I'll, I just don't like those pigeonholes. Does that make sense? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, the people that were fading Lamar, it's just like, why? I mean, first of all, we don't have to talk about him as a passer. He obviously proved that he's a great passer last year, but like why he's basically a low end RB one. I mean, I have the stat uh, I tweeted out a couple of days ago that he was averaging over the last couple of years, he's averaged over 10 fantasy points per game, just with his legs. I mean, you're basically getting a low end RB two, and then you add in that he's, you know, a super efficient passer. Like we saw last year. It's just, it's just lights out. Um, one thing I want to add to the Hollywood debate is like, people need to look at T Y Hilton too. John Brown. These guys are like 180, like low 180. Uh, and they've been, not only just great field stretchers, but great fantasy receivers capable of handling like alpha level targets. And I think, uh, I think we'll see that out of Hollywood this year. Not to mention he's not that tall. So 180, I'm six, five, a certain weight on me is different than Reese who's six foot, you know what I mean? Like it's totally different. And so we can't, that's in different people are cut different. And that's all I was getting at is, you know, there isn't uh, this is the way it should be. Uh, so I think I remember that tweet. And so we haven't talked about this, but didn't you have like Daniel Jones in the seven points per game and then Cam was in the fives or something like that? Yeah. So it was uh, Josh Allen. Who's Josh actually, Allen. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, I should have included Daniel Jones on that, but he wasn't, he didn't have enough starts uh, for the data I was looking at, but uh, yeah, Josh Allen has been so underrated uh, as a runner. Um he and Lamar are really in a tier of their own. Uh, so the, the stat is uh, over the last uh, three years, Lamar has averaged basically 11 fantasy points per game with his legs. Josh Allen's at 8.5. And then the next closest guys are Deshaun at 5.8, Cam at 5.7, and then Kyler Murray at 4.9. So uh, Josh Allen's become like one of my favorite mid-round targets this year, just because again, like um, his, his ceiling, uh, especially with Stefan Diggs, I don't think has been truly tapped as a passer and, his floor is so high because he's been such an outstanding runner. I would say I agree with you on the runner. I still question his efficiency in translating it long-term. You know what I'm saying? I just – I play so much dynasty. He's just that guy. It's hard for me to buy in. I will t- say the interesting part, you mentioned Kyler there, is yeah. how Kyler's become the QB4 in dynasty leagues. And I'm like, I get Hopkins. I get all this. But are you sure? Not that I'm against Kyler. I just, 
I think Lincoln Riley, I'm not an OU fan, but the furthest thing from an OU fan, but I think Lincoln Riley gets, you disagree with that? No? <laughs> all right. Uh, but I think Lincoln Riley doesn't get enough credit and all those other quarterbacks get too much. Hurts, Mayfield, and Murray, they get too much credit and Riley doesn't get enough. Yeah. Do you got, do you prefer Dak to Kyler and dynasty? Cause that's where yes. I'm at. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But better offense, better everything. Plus he's a, you know, they're not that far off in age and they're also proven it. Yeah. They're also not far off in terms of their rushing. Like Dak is always yeah. sneaky, you know, going to add a couple points per game with his, with his legs. Yep. And having CD lamb as your receiver three is not exactly. Oh, you know. That's not even fair with that offensive line, having CD, they can run CD lamb out of the slot Cooper out of the slot. It's just, man, I'm all in on Dallas. Like they are going to, they are going to shred this year. I like Jarwin. I, I, Ooh, I like Jarwin. I, so my, my go-to in leagues is take the, and we're talking about Scott's take two of the Jarwin Herndon tier because mm-hmm. somebody's going to do okay. I don't like, uh, so once you have the top two guys, right, I think Andrew's overvalued when I see him in the second, third round, him and Ertz, I, and I don't like Ingram, Henry, and those other guys. I'd much rather have Jarwin at his prize than Hunter Henry at his or Waller with Witten there, you know, with the rookie receivers and Witten there. I'm oh, not yeah. really big on Waller. Anyway, that's – what are you thinking, Reese? I do like your tight end call with Cohen Jarwin, especially if you're an OU fan. But um, <laughs> he's an Oklahoma State guy. Yeah. But uh, on the Cowboys, they—you have to think—they—they've already said that Tony Pollard's going to run some out of the slot. So who's going to be kicked off the field for that? It's going to be Lamb. It's going to yeah. be Lamb because Gallup was way underrated last. This yes. is my soapbox, Graham. I yes. apologize if you're there too. But I think Gallup was way underrated last year, especially can you, considering he goes, what, sixth, seventh round in drafts? Yeah, I mean, he is maybe the quietest receiver ever to finish sixth in the league in receiving yards per game. And, like, just no one cares. Just It's like no one cares. It's crazy. I've, I've been trying to buy Gallup in Dynasty. I think, I think he's actually fairly p- priced in redraft just because there's going to be some games where it's going to be a, a Cooper game or a Lamb game or a Zeke game, whatever. I think that's going to be a little hard to predict from that perspective. But like Dynasty, I, I think Gallup is by far the cheapest. And to your point on Jarwin, he's somebody that I have been really trying to draft in best ball because last year, Jason Witten was sitting on the sofa and, you know, trying to call games. He's 37 years old, comes back, finishes as the tight end 12, gets yes. 80 targets. Like what's going to happen when that, you know, that those targets are filled by an actually good player and no offense to Jason Witten. I mean, he's been a good player his whole career, but you know, his time is over. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what Jarwin does too. I'm just excited to see what this Dallas offense does because they have so many good players. Yep. Well, the final game of 2018, people forgot Jarwin torched the Giants for like two touchdowns. And so that's when you saw his potential at, at first. And then he kept on kind of flashing a little bit. Plus, you know, that NFC East is pretty weak. On and, defense yeah. at least. But I'm not even buying the Eagles that great. Yeah, I mean – I just, I don't know. We we all uh, probably would agree the Washington football team or whatever we want to call them, besides bad, is going to be bad. <laughs> the Giants aren't, you know, they're going to struggle. Yeah, you other, can't just have 300, 11, 350 pounders. Hey, the other yeah. thing I want to know about Cowboys, and I think it's a positive, but what's your take on McCarthy uh, replacing Garrett? 
Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, so there was a quote that came out, um, you know, Kellen Moore was their offensive coordinator last year. And he called, I, th- I don't know what happened with Dallas, but he called the first couple of games. They ran a bunch of play action. The offense was humming along. Then, then Jason Garrett, you know, put an end to that. What he said is they're basically going to keep all the same terminology and he's coming in and learning from Kellen Moore, which I think is awesome. Like I think Kellen Moore showed just in a very small sample that he kind of gets it. I think it's also a good thing that McCarthy's not coming in and just trying to run what he thinks is the best. He's learning from Dak. He's learning from Kellen Moore. So I'm, I'm excited to see how they kind of blend all these ideas together. Um, if you remember back in the day, those Packers teams were like all three wide receiver heavy. So I'm fully expecting them to run 11, like 80% of the time. They've got to get Cooper Gallup and Lamb on the field all at the same time. And uh, I really hope that they, they, uh, my only concern is Dallas goes a little bit too run heavy with Zeke, but I just, I think they're going to open it up with Dak. I think they're really going to try and open it up and, and run a bunch of play action. And this offense is going to hum. I will say in deeper leagues, Andy Dalton's a great stash because you can't tell me you, if you did projections week to week, if he's starting, he's a top 12 quarterback, right? I mean, if you play in like super flex dynasty, or if you play in any two QB league, that's deep, like 18 plus roster spots, like Dalton's a free, he's a free square just to add as a stash because you're right. If if anything were to happen to Dak, he would immediately be a top. I I don't even know top 12, probably top eight with this offense. Right. And the same reason in those leagues, I'm going after Jameis. If Teddy yeah, can do it, yeah. Jameis can do it. You know, I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. I like Teddy. But I'm just like, I'd much rather have him than nothing against Minshew because Rebar's coming on in a few weeks. He, you know, that's his boy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'd rather have the starter in Dallas, whoever it is, than the starter in Jacksonville, whoever that is. What other questions you got for Mr. Graham? Why are you so uh, – this doc- – uh, I noticed how you have Tyler Lockett pretty well. You like him a lot, along with a lot of other efficiency analysts. Why, why like do you Harmon. Think, like yes. Harmon. Uh, why is all of them – why do all of you guys like him so much? Why, why yeah. is the love fest for Lockett, huh? <laughs> I mean, I just want players that are good at football, man. Like, um, Tyler Lockett's always been good at football. Uh, if you – like, so I, I did a, a little study for our player profiles up on fantasypoints.com uh, and looked at the games where Tyler Lockett was healthy last year. So if we remember, like, week 12, week 13, he had that weird, like, shin contusion where he was just never right. Uh, I, I took those games out of the sample and just looked at the games where Tyler Lockett wasn't on the injury report. And he was the wide receiver eight in fantasy points per game. He out-targeted DK Metcalf, uh, obviously scored more fantasy points than him. Uh, him and Russell Wilson just have this connection um, that I, I just think is one of those things that, like, it's really hard to put data on and, and kind of grasp from an analytical standpoint. Um, but if you look into some of the deeper numbers, like Next Gen Stats has this really cool stat about completion rate above expectation that, like, looks into, you know, just how difficult throws were based on like where they're out on the field, how deep the ball is thrown, whether there's pressure and Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson have just crushed in this stat in back-to-back years. They were number one in completion rate over expectation in 2018. And they were third last year among all quarterback and wide receiver duos. So I, uh, I, I mean, he's just, he's their number one. And, D, and, uh, and I know DK Metcalf has his truthers and he's a great player. But, but Tyler Lockett has been the number one in Seattle for back-to-back years. And I think DK is a fantastic player, but I think he's more of 
more of a field stretcher and a little bit more of like a secondary 1B type option, whereas they move Tyler Lockett all over the field and him and Russ just have this unspoken bond between between each other. And I, I think it's going to continue this year and, you know, into the next couple of years because Lockett's only 28 years old. I mean, he's still, he still has at least two to three years left in his prime. And, you know, they have similar price series, which is interesting. And Lockett's another guy that probably doesn't weigh too much over 180 soaking weight. Exactly. Yeah. And, I bet uh, Lockett, I bet Lockett's way, way lighter than that. He looks lighter than that. Yeah. People don't realize. And he was a, just cause I grew up in Tulsa, he uh, he's a Tulsa guy and wasn't very well recruited. Went to K State, you know, yep. K State receivers Jordy and Lockett. I mean, they had some decent guys come through, but uh, Lockett's always been underappreciated. I mean, his whole career, nobody, you know, what's his what's his ADP like receiver eighteen or something? You know, and, lower yeah. than that. He's going in the sixth round. Yeah. yeah, he yeah he goes fifth sixth round. I mean, I've seen plenty of leagues where DK goes ahead of him which yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean I kind of get your projecting for upside but I mean you, you also have to look into like targets and stuff and uh, I, I know Met, Metcalf's definitely going to improve and they're definitely going to expand his route tree uh, but Lockett is he's just he's just really good and he's always commanded uh, targets not only from Russell but he had a huge target share in college like he's he's always been an alpha receiver and uh, I guess this kind of goes to the Hollywood point too is like just because you're small doesn't mean you can't command you know, big target shares. Yeah, it's kind of like since you were at NFL Network, MJD was short, but he was never small. You know what I mean? Like, dude, five six, two ten. You know, everybody was like, "Well, he's too small." No, 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 he's short, but he's two ten at five six. That one of my favorite. Oh, <laughs> no, one of my favorite. I was just gonna say one of my favorite MJD uh, MJD plays was the blitz pickup he had on Sean Merriman. Oh yeah, uh, back when Merriman was like the league's premier pass rusher. Just oh, blew yeah. him up. Flat I mean, he just, flat. I mean, and Merriman was like, has like seven or eight inches and probably 50 or 60 pounds on him. Just, uh, he was oh, yeah. a man. Yeah. And MJD had the huge legs. You have another question for him before I, before, uh, I go a different direction. So on the previous podcast, Dwayne McFarland, I'm going to bring him up here that we both like is, uh, JK Dobbins, the rookie mm-hmm. running back from Ohio state now in Baltimore. You like him? Yes. Uh, Graham, it dug through your Twitter uh, Twitter uh, uh, profile and found that this nugget that you like Dobbins. He thinks he's oh, the yeah. most uh, unappreciated back, right? Yeah, man, especially in Dynasty. Um, so in, in redraft, I think it's going to be pretty hard for both Dobbins and Ingram to beat their ADPs. Um, Ingram's still really good. Um, he was fantastic last year. Going to have some touchdown regression for sure. Uh, Dobbins, unless Ingram gets hurt or misses time or whatever, it's going to be hard for him to, to blow past his ADP. But for Dynasty, I mean, my God, I mean, Mark Ingram's probably not going to be on the team uh, next year. Uh, JK, I mean, and, and Dobbins has just landed in the perfect opportunity uh, for a back of his skill set. I mean, he's a one cut runner uh, who makes just excellent decisions at the second level. Um, came from an RPO scheme, run pass option scheme at Ohio State, and that's basically the entirety of the, the Baltimore offense. It's what they predicate their run game on is RPOs. I just think Dobbins just landed in the perfect spot. I mean, he's going to get downhill. He's going to be violent, um, and he's going to face a lot of one-on-one situations at the second level that he's going to have a huge advantage on. Um, only 21 years old, Ingram's 30. Um, I've been trying and – failing most of my dynasty leagues to get Dobbins but in the few spots I've had I have been able to get him I just think 
you're getting a locked in RB one for at least, you know, the 2021, 2022 and 2023 seasons um, at prices that are nowhere close to, to RB one ceiling. So yeah, I'm really excited for, for Dobbins long-term. All right. So two things, first of all, this time last year, I trade in a Debbie league, leave that as Debbie players. I traded Marlon Mack for him straight up. Wow. You like it or hate it? Well done. I mean, yeah, it's, it's that's a huge, somebody that's in a, the industry. So I'm not going to, you know, I, I should have Jonathan Taylor. You yeah, I lose now. enough. I lose enough trades that on the the one, I don't ever lord it over someone because that's, you know, that's no good. Yeah. All right. But I'll, Reese has done some research on Dobbins and the Ravens. So do you think the pie is enough, big enough, Reese, for them both to, both being Ingram and Dobbins to get enough carries, enough touches? It's huge. How big is the pie? It's nearly 600 rush attempts. Is that including Lamar? That's includes Lamar, but if you take out yeah. Lamar's, it's 420, which is still huge. Still be pretty much top 10 in the league. For two of them, right? Yeah. Because Gus, everybody's talked about how Gus Edwards might not, might cut in, but I don't think it's going to cut in too much if you're going to spend a second-round pick on the dude. Yeah. yeah. And But there's over 1,000 yards not accounted for by – uh, Lamar or Ingram, thousand rushing yards that from last year that were not uh, Ingram or Lamar, right? And also they had a deep, about middle of the pack touchdown rushing percentage, so there could be that could go higher depending on how everybody's talking about how Lamar's going to uh, regress regress negatively, but if he's going to regress negatively, that means something's going to go up. So I think it could be the rushing touchdown or yards or attempts. Yeah. I think that's the biggest question, Reese, is whether or not they give Gus Edwards 100 carries again. Because if they do, you're probably right. You're looking at Ingram at like 190-ish carries and then Dobbins at like 110. And for fantasy, that's just not enough. But right. I'm, I'm kind of with you that you don't spend the second round pick on a running back, even though it was kind of a luxury pick for Baltimore, you don't spend that pick without having a plan in place. And uh, it would make sense that they don't give Edwards, you know, the same role he had last year. The one role that I, that I personally question is the Justice Hill role. You know, who's going to be the receiving back? Dobbins was a decent receiver at Ohio State. So, I mean, there is a chance. But the receiving back for the Ravens didn't get much targets. He only had like a 12% target share. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's because Lamar, every time every time they're trying to, you know, Lamar is looking for his first three to second read. If it's not there, he's looking to scramble. Yeah. Uh, he's not trying to check it down very much. But Dobbins was definitely a very good receiver coming out of Ohio State. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that they, they target him a little bit more in the passing game. But, yeah, we'll just have to see. All right. We're going to tidy this up. So you read Reese's book. Yes. Uh, and we, let's talk analytics just as we try to tidy things up. What are some of the tips, tricks, thought process even? Everybody wants to distill it down. Give me a tip. And I, in no way do I want to reduce you to that. But is there any, like, thought processes you would want to pass on to Reese or somebody else that's listening to say, hey, why don't you look at the world through this lens because it's an uncommon lens but and give sticky analytics? Any yeah. So in Reese's book, he talked like the most, um, like the first thing, I, I think the, the, the opening chapter was all about targets and opportunity. And that's like, 
I can't hammer this home enough. Like opportunity is the number one, number two, and number three thing you should be looking at for fantasy, especially at running back. Um, efficiency almost doesn't, doesn't even matter. Like um, there's a couple efficiency stats like yards per route run for receivers and tight ends that matter. It matters a little bit for running backs, but like uh, I went and studied this this summer. Um, so the number one and number two things that correlate most to fantasy points are snaps and routes run. Um, if you look further down the totem pole, they're like four to five times more influential on fantasy points than efficiency, you know, yards per carry yards after contact fantasy points per, uh, per touch. Like if, if you, if I can give you any piece of advice, it's pretty much a fade efficiency at all costs, except for at the tails. Uh, meaning, um, you know, there's some players like Alvin Kamara and Der- Derek Henry that are very efficient. And that efficiency sticks year to year. And then there's players at the lower end of the totem pole, like Kalen Blage, who are just not good at football and very inefficient. And that sticks year to year. But by and large, 80% of the NFL kind of switches year to year between being hyper efficient or you know, super efficient, moderately efficient, and inefficient. And I think um, too many people get caught up in efficiency traps and really just don't know how to uh, currently – or correctly, I should say, uh, correctly assess regression. And uh, one of the biggest and, and easiest ways to get, get caught up is, is uh, being, being trapped by, you know, players that you think are, are super efficient but actually aren't. Well, especially because I've seen a lot of players where they just decline it year over year. You know, and uh, take a guy like Zeke, right? Zeke's had more than enough touches that would make somebody worry about his durability. But he gets – such high volume that he's a gimme at his drive spot. You have to play that, right? Just because of volume in that offensive line. Am I wrong there? I mean, if I told you he's going to get 3.75 yards per carry, you'd be like, no big deal because I know yeah. he's going to get volume. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. I mean, if Zeke is, as long as Zeke gets 3.8 yards per carry, as long as he's getting those 320 touches and 70-ish targets and all the red zone work, we, we really don't care because the volume is, is what's bringing us to the table. Exactly. The other guy, when you mentioned efficiency, I also think of it, the only time I really like it, the word efficiency is if we're looking for guys at the bottom that we're saying, hey, he was efficient at small sample size. I, I point to Will Disley, right? Will Disley has like the smallest sample size of anybody. But, you know, he's shown okay when he's been healthy, if, when, you know, all that stuff. But he you could use efficiency to try to point out that maybe he's a better value than Greg Olson. That seems reasonable, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Jarwin is another guy who um, has been efficient on a small sample. Like I think over the last two years, he's top 15 in yards per route run. And like I said, that's one of the only efficiency metrics that actually matters. So um, I think it can be a little bit trappy, but with, with guys like Disley and Jarwin, you have to kind of balance it with like their actual production and, with, with Disley in particular, every time he's gotten snaps, he's, you know, he's produced. Yeah. I, I was just saying that sometimes efficiency can help pull out uh, guys who normally we would discount, right? And so, uh, anyway, do you have any closing questions for Graham coming off the top rope on him? I don't come off the top rope at all. Elbow. Except to me. Atomic except elbow. On me, except on me. <laughs> what, do you have any other questions? How'd you get started in the fantasy business? Because you mentioned you've been doing this full time for seven years and yeah. you're a very, 
and you're a very young guy. So yeah, how'd no, you get started? He has no gray in that beard. Have you know, <laughs> it's just bushy. Uh, it needs to be trimmed, honestly. Um, yeah, I got started um, my sophomore year of college. Uh, I just started. I just always played fantasy with with either friends or my dad. Um, and back in sixth, seventh grade, just got started. Always loved it. Always uh, read, you know, the newspaper box scores and just followed stats religiously. My first love was baseball, um, and baseball is obviously a very data driven sport. Um, but in my sophomore year of college, I just kind of on a whim joined Twitter, um, started writing some really really bad fantasy analysis on a blog. Um, but uh, got lucky and um, got a little bit better through a couple years of blogging, uh, got picked up by JJ Zacharyson and number fire. And uh, he was pretty influential on my career in terms of like just helping me understand data better, but also making me a better writer and more concise uh, worked for number fire for a number of years. Um, uh, Evan Silva and I kind of became close and he was a huge mentor for me, eventually hired me at Roto world. Um, so it kind of, for me, I kind of felt like I timed things really well. Like I didn't mean to time things well. Like I kind of got in right as fantasy Twitter was really starting to get popular. Um, so I got lucky from a timing standpoint, but um, really it's just been a long time of just trying to get better and make incremental gains every single year. And uh, I've been really fortunate. Incremental gains is the secret to life. Nobody tells you that. Yeah. But you don't become great. You become better, and then the next day better. It's kind of like when they asked Warren Buffett. He was like, hey, as soon as I figured out compound interest, I wanted to make – It's you a know, game changer. And, that's, and that's, that's incremental gains, right? And um, so the other thing I always tell Reese is the more you write, the, the better you'll write. And 100%. the more you study and research, the better you'll do it. Because, you know, it's one of those things that you have to read a lot and write a lot to get better. Did you, you agree with that, Graham? Absolutely. And uh, Reese, if you, um, I would encourage you, I don't know what you're interested in, in books wise and stuff, but like, I, I'm sure you're reading a lot of sports columns, but really try to also uh, read anything that is not sports related at all. Anything that you're interested in, because that'll make you a better writer. Um, I, I read a lot of philosophy books in college and investment books. I'm a finance major by heart. Me too. Uh, account. I'm an accountant by heart, actually, but um, super boring. But I, I think any type of reading that just expands your knowledge base and writing base, it'll, it'll make you a better writer. Even thoughts like economics come into fantasy. Yeah. You know, accounting. Absolutely. And uh, Reese reads a lot of uh, fiction, like yes, the Harry right. Potters. He likes all that kind of stuff, right? I'm, I'm reading. I'm actually reading the Harry Potters right now. I've read them in uh, middle school. I'm in. Uh, the middle of Goblet of Fire right now, just because there's nothing else going on. But uh, yeah, I mean, anything that, that just jogs the mind, I think is, is great. Reading is one of those things that I think it's always, it's like working out, you know, like it'll, it'll never be a bad decision to read. You know, it'll never be a bad decision to work out. Anything that gets your body active or mind active, it'll never be a bad choice. Yeah, and Aristotle had this quote, it's uh, the mark of an educated mind to uh, consider a thought, but not accept it. And I think that that's our thought in the fantasy world is we get peppered with all these people who think that they have the right answer on everything. And we have to be able to consider it, weigh it, give it, give it a, how much credibility and move on. And in a previous podcast, I think it was with Dwayne uh, McFarland, I was 
you know, one of the things, the only thing that ever gets me on the fantasy community is everybody argues over, all right, we're all dealing with probabilities, right? And everybody's like has strong opinions about whether their 73% chance is better than somebody else's 43% or whatever, you know, and I think we're all happiest when we go, hey, we're just playing the odds. We want to increase them the best we can. How can we skew this to our favor by the stickiness of stats and things like that? But none of us have all the answers. All the guys like Hollywood Brown could have a toenail injury and miss three games. And now he's, you know, he doesn't do us any good or something like COVID happens or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's, this is a fun time. And I think the people that do the best in the fancy world, I'll speak like Rich Rebar are the ones that have the best attitudes about it. You know, he's like, Hey, I'm a stat guy, but I'm just trying to increase, improve my chances. However, be. Yeah, that that's exactly. Yeah, that's the exact way I view it too. Is like, you know, I think on Twitter specifically, the way the platform works at this point, it's it's all about you know getting engagement, and a lot of that is hot takes. Yeah, uh, I try to stay as far away from that as possible and just really give takes when I believe them. Um, and you know, I think in fantasy, we just don't do a good enough job. And maybe I, I don't. I'm sure I don't do a good enough job of thinking this too. Is like we should be thinking range of outcomes and, and, right. prob- and probabilities. And uh, I think just so many times people get caught up in um, you know thinking they have either, like you said, all the answers, or just trying to create a name for themselves and, and act like they have some sort of crystal ball. When in reality, like especially this year, especially this year, we just have no idea what's going to happen. Yep. Everything's on a spectrum, right? And yep. like this, he hears me preach this at home all the time. Somebody goes, Hey, do you have a good day? And we're always like thumb up, thumb down. Where in reality, everything was on a spectrum, you know? And cause we have such a Yelp or trip advisor take on everything. It's either thumbs up or thumbs down. There's no, Hey, I like this person. Okay. But he's not worth the price or, Right. You know, in the fancy world or whatever. Yeah, that's the way I view players. Um, it's like I, I'll always say, like, I like the player but hate the price. And right. that's really what it is. It, it's, it's not just black and white. And a lot of analysis now, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. I mean, a lot of analysis is black and white, hot take or cold take. That's it. Yeah. Life's too short, man. I like Way to smile. Short. I like to laugh. And that's the other reason I really don't engage as much on, on Twitter as I used to is because a lot of people are like, hey, that sucks. And I'm like, all right, you know, and so I'm thankful not to do it for a living like you guys and have to take that kind of abuse. Maybe that'll be Reese's, you know, future. <laughs> Reese, if you could come up with a platform that 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 makes it a little less of a cesspool and a little less more devolving conversation for fantasy analysts and and just oh, yeah. fantasy thoughts, I would be that would be fantastic. Oh yeah, but everybody wants to, and he mentions hot takes. It's because everybody wants to have that one sleeper, you know. Like I knew Miles Boykin was going to be the guy, you know what I mean? Like, oh, anyway, Graham, thank you for having us. Thank you for coming on. Reese, uh, Reese enjoyed himself, and uh, hopefully you'll join us again sometime in the future because uh, we enjoy just expanding our thought process, have a casual conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. This was great. Thank you. Bye.